Greetings, Pulse Takers, and welcome to the NASPO Pulse. This is the podcast where we are monitoring issues in state procurement. I'm your host, Kevin Miner, and we have a very special episode for you today. I am joined by my guest co-host and NASPO Senior Instructional Designer, Samantha Gerard. Hello. Thank you for having me. Sam, why don't you tell the good people a little bit about yourself? So I went to the University of Connecticut and I actually majored in English, um, which is Hmm. far from what I'm sort of doing now. Um, I fell into training and instructional design by accident, um, but it was a very happy accident. Um, It brought me here and I love what I do. Um, I've been with NASA about three and a half years. Um, And I guess a personal thing about me, um, I love pumpkins. I love growing them. I love decorating with them. I love carving them. Um, And so I guess that's a pretty seasonally appropriate fact about me. Absolutely. It is. I I am a sucker for pumpkin spice anything. The candles, the flavor, put it in a bottle, it'll be cologne. That's fine. (laughs) And I I think that we should make it... uh, any time of year. I don't think pumpkin spice needs to be designated for one or two months, you know? I agree with you. A lot of people on like social media will disagree with you and come for oh. you when you say that. So just watch out. You know what? Come, for, I'm ready for it. Come for me. I've got <laughs> pumpkin spice for everybody. So speaking of your instructional designer background, Sam, why don't you tell the Pulse Takers who we're chatting with today? Sure, yeah. Today we're talking with Christy Sly. She's the Training and Development Director for the Division of Procurement Services in South Carolina. We're going to talk to her all about South Carolina's certification program, things like what it used to look like, um, what promoted that old program to need change, and what Mm -hmm. the current program looks like. Right. And Sam has graciously agreed to co-host this episode with me because of her experience in instructional design. Um, And I know that we're going to have a really great conversation with her. We also discussed with Christy what motivates learners to create excitement and what other states can learn from what she's gone through in the process. You got questions, comments? We'd love to hear from you. Email us, podcast at naspo.org. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get those sweet listens. Make sure to check out the NASPO blog, pulse.naspo.org, and catch up on some procurement articles written by your very own NASPO staff. Sam, do the honors. Of course, it would be an honor. Let's take the pulse. Christy, how you doing? I'm great, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Christy, you are the Training and Development Director in South Carolina. Before we get started, can you just provide us with a little bit of context of how you got into training? Sure. I was actually, or I am actually, a youth services librarian. So I have my master's in information and library science. Um, I worked as a youth and family librarian, uh, specializing in teens, but basically I had everyone from zero to 18 and their parents. Wow. um, Because I was at a branch. And um, yeah, I did that for almost a decade. And then I was picked up. Um, I was doing presentations at the conferences, the library conferences, and I got picked up by the state library to be their continuing education consultant. Um, And that basically tasked me with doing almost exactly what I'm doing here with procurement, uh, which was developing a ongoing continuing education program for the state for librarians um, and library staff. 
And when I got that position, I was like, look, I'm, I'm fine with developing events. I'm fine with, you know, all of that, but I know pedagogy. I only, I've only worked with kids. I don't know anything from training adults. And so I ended up, they, they were very generous and they allowed me to get my um, HED master trainer um, okay. certification. And so um, basically through that, I learned that adults are giant kids. The only thing that really changes is that you have to um, kind of tie in how the material directly involves them. So it's the what's in it for me or with him factor. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much the only thing. But yeah, that's how I got into training. So Christy, we're here today to discuss the certification program that you are currently developing. Before we do that, though, I think it's important for us that we understand what South Carolina's certification program used to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. Um, the So there, to give you a little bit of history, um, there is actually a section in the South Carolina Procurement Code that states that the CPO should develop a system of training. And it clarifies that it must encompass the latest techniques and methods of procurement. And then it also states that the CPO, if they consider it appropriate, can include a requirement for certification for procurement officers. So basically it is in the law that we do training, but it is also kind of, and to this point, we have not required certification for people to work as procurement officers within the state. Um, it is a voluntary program. With the new development of the division and all of that, there were some uh, consultants that were hired to kind of ease the change management process. And one of the things that they did was actually say, here's a sample certification process. The classes themselves were all lecture-based. Um, they were in-person and the, nobody really had time to redevelop them. And the, so when I got there, things were still prone to shifting, you know, we'd get the class schedule and then the instructor would be like, oh, I've got a thing that day. And so we'd have to shift everything around. So one of the things, my first goal became just standardizing when we presented like, okay, we're going to do this quarterly. Give me dates, you know, give me a dates a year out. Like we're in January, we're going to sit down. You're going to give me your dates for your year. And then you can't move them. Like you have no excuses. You don't have meetings scheduled. Don't schedule meetings over your classes. So we standardized the the classes and the the class schedule. Um, the classes were very well received. We did have evaluations at the back, and they were very very well received. But a lot of what I was seeing was this is too much information. Oh, for okay, interesting this time frame. I came in with my little naive like, well, what what are your activities? What are you you know? How are you doing this? What are your knowledge checks? And they're like, honey, uh, no. <laughs> What's a knowledge check? Yeah, we don't have time check? for that. <laughs> Like, well, what information of this do they really need to have? All of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair, intro to procurement, we had a 12-day class that was taught by one of our CPOs. Um, brilliant class. Very much a knowledge dump, but the way that he did it was extremely helpful. Um, and it, it was mostly, he was like, it's a FAM course. It's a familiarization course. Um because the first six weeks of it were like, here's the code, here's what it means, here's how you do an IFB, here's how you do an RFP, you know, like those kinds of just step by step by step by step things. Um, and then the last six weeks were like more using that towards 
purchasing technology, which is what the course was supposed to be. Um, and so like super, super, super helpful. Also six and a half hours a day of lecture, 12 times. And, and so, so the feedback was, I loved that class. That class was amazing. I'm going to take this class every time it's offered because I get something new out of it every time. And that is an insanely wonderful compliment. That is, that is just like a, a brilliant compliment. We got the same with our legal class too, which was four to five days. Beautiful compliment. I want you to want to come to our classes, but also as an instructional designer, what that tells me is people's needs aren't being met. Oh, for sure. That's interesting. Yeah. If you need to revisit the same class over and over to learn new things, we got to break it down differently. Yeah. So, so yeah. Christy, is that kind of what prompted the need for change? It is. It is. One of the things that came out of one of the procurement directors conferences was I ended up being able to form a advisory committee of procurement directors from the field. And so um, I have about seven of them and there was someone on our floor so that our floor was represented as well. Um, and we'd meet and discuss like, what is it that y'all actually need? You know, what are you seeing your people struggle with? Because we can tell you what we're seeing, but what we're seeing isn't the picture. We went through and standardized all of the position descriptions for the state procurement stuff and like actually sat down and discussed what does a procurement specialist need to, to know? What does a procurement specialist need to transition to procurement specialist two to transition to procurement manager? procurement manager to procurement director, what are the different education levels? What are the different experiences that they need? What do they need to be doing on the job? At least from a designer standpoint, I have, okay, I'm designing for these people, right? You mentioned a lot of areas where the old certification program was, um, had space for improvement. After identifying those areas, um, what was sort of the journey to where you are now, where are you now in this new certification program? So we got our trainers trained in 2019 um, and we were all set. Everybody loved it. It was really super successful. Amazing. I was so thrilled. We had a place to go. We had people who were willing to help and change and everything. And then bam, COVID. Mm, mm, um, mm, and mm. all of our classes, all of our classes were instructor led classroom based and all of the subject matter experts and everyone who was willing to help were suddenly like, no kid, we do not have time. Oh, wow. So basically our, our courses are being redeveloped with online in mind. Um, they're being developed with activities and breakpoints and all of that to make sure that our um, objectives are being met. I'm developing knowledge checks to go with the courses and eventually the certification will also include um, a certification exam that goes, ties back to the knowledge checks. Um, because I feel there's a difference between a certificate program, which is what we had, um, where it's time and seat. You know, you, you came to the class, you may have slept through the whole thing, <laughs> but you came. So congratulations, you have a certificate that says that you did all of our classes. And we were also super reliant on other like outside sources for classes. And that got expensive, especially for the poly subs um, to do these, to do these outside classes um, because we were using the outside classes for theory. And then the, our classes were kind of the, how South Carolina does it really quick, quick down and dirty. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so 
trying to move away from using those outside sources and bring the information that they're providing in the general, what is procurement, the general, you know, how to do a contract or how to do contract management, all of that. We can provide that theory without having someone take another course. Um, We can recommend other courses. Like we can recommend, hey, take, you know, the, the procurement U course or take the NIGP course or whichever you know, take this course through ICN, but I don't think we should be reliant on people doing on people doing that to have the knowledge to bring to our course. So I know Samantha. I know you have a lot of experience in in course design. What is what do you feel? How does how does that statement kind of make? How does that resonate with you? Yeah. So having additional resources outside of your required training or what you're trying to learn. I mean, that's great, right? It's it's so good mm-hmm. to have supportive resources that you can turn to, Google, you know, all of our, anything. I mean, there's so much out there for any topic, right? But um, when you are developing training for a specific audience, um, you cannot rely on that additional, on those additional resources. It's great. Everyone knows they're out there, but you need to be able to cover what is needed for that learning group um, in your training, um, without a doubt. The, it, you have to know um, you have to know your audience, you have to know what they need to learn, and you have to cover those things specifically in the training. Yeah, that's interesting. That's also not, not something that I ever thought about. I would just point, my, me, myself, somebody had a question. I mean, Google's a verb yeah. now, right? <laughs> so I would just tell them to Google it. And Google so. will give you a great overview, right, of of the procurement process, but that doesn't tell you how to be a procurement professional, right? It doesn't tell you about the actual details of it. So with all this work that you've put into the current program that you're developing, what do you, what are your hopes and dreams for this? How do you want this to look five, 10 years down the line? Yeah. I'm, I mean, my hope is that we actually have a program that is very, very functional, Um, So if you take our level one certification, whatever the name of it may be um, in the future, if you take that level one certification, you can work as a procurement officer within South Carolina and at an agency that's maybe not necessarily certified um, to purchase, to do large purchases, but you should have a solid um, basis in procurement. If you come in from another state, we are going to have that exam. So you can maybe test out, you know, if you, if you don't, you know, and, and you'll be able to know uh, with the knowledge checks and that sort of stuff, you'll be able to know where your weak spots are and what you need to work on and that sort of stuff. It's all based on objectives and understanding who needs what when. What's some advice that you can give to other states who, who need their own training program or, or maybe that they're they're looking for their own training program? What's some takeaways from this process that you can give to them? Um, The first thing I would say would be know your audience. Um, It's really important to know who you're training for and what you are, what your measurable outcomes should be uh, for each of your courses. Um, The second thing that I would say is believe in your SMEs. And that comes from conversations that we have had at uh, STCC and that sort of stuff. But The subject matter experts, yes, they know procurement, and yes, they may not know training. Um, It is a heck of a lot easier to get them trained to do training than it is to teach someone who has only done training 20 years of procurement knowledge. 
that is it's vitally important to have at least have them in the room when you're doing your trainings because there are going to be questions and people can smell BS, right? Like you ask me a question about doing something or this has come up in my situation and how would it, how would you address it? And I'm just going to be like deer in a headlights because I don't know. And people, that's going to de- discredit everything. Right. Um, if you do that. So at least have someone who does know in the room if you don't have them teaching your classes. Uh, but I would recommend, you know, people love to learn. And if you have people, there are going to obviously be people that you look at and you go, never would I ever put them in front of a class. Yes, that happens. <laughs> but there are going to be those people that you that you see that you're like, you know, you're kind of a natural. Let's let's hone your skills. And yeah. and that's mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. I would recommend doing that. Uh, the other thing is remember that training is frequently the first interaction that people have with your agency. If you are trying to change the culture of procurement within your state, if you are trying to change the um, change the way that people see your organization, if you know how, whatever the case may be, remember that training is frequently your marketing arm. Um, training is how people interact with you from the beginning because they don't know who you are or what you do. And this is your chance to set a great example and not just tell people how to do what they're doing, but also explain to them why they're doing what they do and why it's important and how it fits in. And you can, you can take someone who's burnt out and blah, 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 and you can give them that passion back just by emphasizing why you're doing what you're doing you know, um, because that is so important for all of this. So just, it's really easy because the trainers are frequently the oddballs in a procurement organization. Often we're staffs of one, sometimes we're staffs of two, you know, sometimes there's more people depending on the organization and how structured your certification program is and all of that. But I'm talking specifically for those people who have maybe one trainer, maybe no trainer, um, that it that they're off in the the weeds and you're just like um I had this is a little bit of a off thing so it's probably to get cut out but I had a um mentor in library school that said that being a youth services librarian was the best job ever because you could be sitting under a desk covered in glitter cutting up paper and everyone would be like what a genius um, <laughs> <laughs> so like your trainers they're the weirdos right and and they're the, they're often the people that don't speak your language and everything but remember that their job is also vitally important and you really do need to work with them and make sure that they have those resources um, and provide them the the knowledge, not just of what to do. Like you can give them the manuals and you can give them policies and procedures, but also how it should be done. And, and they really are going to need someone who knows that to guide them. So now we're going to play the key takeaway game. Key takeaways. Here. Sam and Kevin will present key takeaways from the interview. Christy, it's your job to decide whose takeaway is better. And because I'm a gentleman, I will let Sam go first. Okay, how many do you want me to do? Just one? Oh, you have multiple ones? I'm intimidated. Oh, oh that, that gauntlet was thrown, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably all go together, but I'd say there's three, not buzzwords, I would say there's three terms christy that you used um 
throughout your all of your explanations um, that I think are really important for people to remember when they are developing their own training programs. One of them is standardization. Um, you can't really create training without some sort of instruction on what what needs to be included and what needs to be covered and tested on. Um, and the standardization doesn't necessarily need to be like this long written book of these are all the things, um, but there needs to be some sort of path um, to lead training it because, you know, you can do a training on how to prepare for a hurricane. But if you spend the first hour of the training talking about the history of hurricanes, it's not really going to tell anybody what you really need them to know, right? Um, the other important word that you used many times was the word functional. Um, functional training that you can actually use in your job, use in your day-to-day, um, you know, your day-to-day application of um, this is what I learned and this is how I'm going to apply it in my in my professional life. Um, that's very important. And then... Um, I don't think you actually use the term recertification, but you touched on the sort of idea of continuing education um, after you take a certification program and you become certified. How do you sort of continue that certification and what you learned over the years um, in your position and as you advance in your career? Um, It doesn't have to be a formal recertification, but it could be, you know, just taking more classes or getting more involved in training yourself and things like that. So those are the three main things I took away from this that uh, I think are very important. I would like to not share mine now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a knockout. I yeah, I, yeah winner by default. I would like to also say what Sam said. One of my takeaways, and look, a lot of this is is new for me. I don't know very much about um, designing courses. Um, I'm, I'm not really a trainer. I have been trained before uh, to an extent, but I've never. I don't do much on the other side of that. So, uh, I really found it interesting you talking about um, not relying on outside resources to to do the training and to really rely and have confidence and put the time and energy and work into your own program so that you have all of those educational tools uh, that you need that are um, that are centered around the needs in your office and the needs in your state because going outside of that while it's good reliable training may not be exactly what your state is looking for. So, so I just, I, that's something that I learned maybe even more than a takeaway is just that you really need to be relying on in-house and your SMEs more than necessarily going out somewhere. So that's, that's one thing that I learned. So, um, that being said, Christy, who, uh, whose takeaway are you taking away with you today? I am going to go with (laughs) Sam's, but I am also going to add the caveat that, Yours, yours is applicable, uh, especially in that recertification program, because you don't you don't want to rely on outside resources so much to do your initial trainings. You want to make sure that people know what's going on within the state and everything. But you can absolutely use them for recertification. 
and, you know, bring something back, Mm -hmm. go to a conference, bring something back, go to, you know, take a training, bring something back. So you can absolutely do it. So I think that the two go together. I am, I'm going to give it to Sam though. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I am too. too. (laughs) It's beginner's luck. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) So before we go, what is just one last thing, one piece of advice you want to share with our listeners? Huh? Okay. Um, don't be afraid to be ridiculous. Uh, oftentimes procurement training and procurement, we think of it as law. We think of it as so very like staid and it, it can get a little dry. Um, but don't be afraid to change it up. Don't be afraid to have fun games or do things in a diff- from a different perspective or have people compete or whatever you need to do to punch it up. Um, and, and don't be afraid to be silly because those are frequently, those unexpected things are frequently the things that people remember from your training. Um, and so if you really want to make a point, you can do it in that way and it's still professional. It's still fun. But, you know, I made our executive leadership make puppets for one of our strategic planning things. Like I was <laughs> like, here's your, you know, do your puppets. And so we did superheroes, supervillains and sidekicks and they had so much fun. But it it did That's the awesome. most like it spurred the most wonderful conversation about how do you, you know, I, I see this side of you, but no one else sees this side of you. I want, like, I think you guys really need to work on being more human and this fun side because it breaks mm-hmm. barriers. So don't be afraid to, to, uh, to be kind of ridiculous and do things that are really strange because those are the takeaways that you'll get from it. Christy Sly, the Training and Development Director for the Division of Procurement Services in South Carolina. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Yes, Christy. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. So, Sam, what do you think? You're a natural at the takeaway game. (laughs) Well, thank you. I I think Christy set us up for success there. Um, But, you know, I I do feel a a bit of triumph. I did win. So, you know, I got that going for me. So what do you think about Christie's experience um, kind of cultivating this program? What I've learned talking to other people working in training is that, unfortunately, that um, it's pretty standard um, kind of coming into somewhere where there's a program that's in place, um, but it's not as good as it could be, or there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, that's why we're here, though, right? That's why Christy sure. is so important in her office. And... Um, It's just really important that I think we need to just like collectively as a whole need to take training more seriously. I would say first, I totally agree with everything Christy said um, in terms of, you know, get a little wild, get a little crazy, creative, Um, definitely think outside the box and don't be afraid to stand up for your training program. Um, If you feel like something's missing or if you feel like your learners need something more than what you're currently giving them, push for that. Thanks so much for listening to The Pulse today. Again, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and make sure to check out the NASPO blog, pulse.naspo.org. I'm Kevin Miner. And I'm Samantha Gerard. Stay classy, procurement community. Oh, Anchorman reference. I like